It's Wednesday, December 6th, 2023 from Peachfish Productions. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Derek Chauvin is out of the hospital and back in prison. Now, if you've ever been given a puppy as a gift, you would hope the present giver would be as assiduous with the cardboard box as John Terskak was with Derek Chauvin. After stabbing the former Minneapolis police officer 22 times, Terskak was heard to have shouted, now you can breathe. No, no, that never happened. That would be a captivating detail if it were true, the 22 times stabbing, that is true. Terskak, a member of the Mexican mafia, did, however, have somewhat quirky motivations for choosing the date of the stabbing, according to the charging document. Terskak stated he saw an opportunity to assault Derek Chauvin in the law library on Friday, November 24th, the day after Thanksgiving, commonly known as Black Friday. Terskak stated that his attack of Derek Chauvin on Black Friday was symbolic with the Black Lives Matter movement. I think it's a bit more symbolic with 20 people getting stampeded at a Best Buy, but I am not part of the movement. If Chauvin had been an arsonist, I guess Terskak would have waited until Ash Wednesday if he was guilty of indecent exposure Palm Sunday. Terskak also said there was another motivation for the timing of the attack. Black Friday, again, retail event, but Black Friday also represented the Black Hand, which is associated with the Mexican Mafia, said John Terskak. John Terskak. Mexican? Mafia? Well, Mafia, yes, but he's not Mexican. He's not Latino. Terskak's parents were born in Czechoslovakia. Terskak was, this is a guy with range, an FBI informant. He was then dropped as an FBI informant because he kept on dealing drugs and engaging in the occasional stabbing that they frown upon. But he was publicly exposed as an FBI informant to the rest of the prison. And then Terskak was himself stabbed. He wrote in a self-filed brief, filing these briefs is what brought him to the law library that day, Black Friday. Terskak, the non-Mexican member of the Mexican Mafia, has chose to chase renown of the buy one, get one free while supplies last date. He has also admitted to murdering a man in 1990 while in Folsom prison and authoring the murder of another man in prison in 1998. So when Derek Chauvin was sentenced to 22 years, it should have read 22 years unless you're incarcerated alongside this John Terskak guy. Guy knows how to affect an actuarial table. Recently, the U.S. prison system has seen the stabbings of Chauvin, Larry Nasser, and the stabbing and beating death of Whitey Bulger. Unabomber Ted Kaczynski killed himself in a supermax prison, not super enough, I guess. And then there's Jeffrey Epstein, just read Reddit about that. Plus, of course, all these random killings and beatings and stabbings of guys you don't hear about or know going in and you don't even hear about afterwards. We just hear about it as refracted through the stabbing of a famous guy by another guy who's done a lot of stabbings and killings along the way. The irony of all this is that a plausible explanation for Terskak's crime is related to his 2026 scheduled release date. Wait, he's going to get out soon. It was in there for 30 years. Why would he risk it? No, it wasn't Black Friday or the Black Hand or former Canadian media baron Conrad Black. It might just have been that Terskak is afraid to be released. He might be the one guy in the U.S. penal system for whom the phrase protective custody is apt, even as he has a long track record of making it less accurate for everyone else. On the show today, a full two-parter interview with Eric Toller. He's a reporter on the visual investigations team at the New York Times, combining traditional reporting with open source methods. We'll get into what that means. 
But if you want a shorthand, it's that he and sleuths, internet sleuths, trained and untrained, pour over visual evidence to unearth truths and sometimes debunk claims of governments and combatants. He's done this. He used to do this for Bellingcat. He scrutinized footage to great effect in Ukraine. He's now looking at Israel. But in Israel, there is the question of how much we can expect the story to be told via the pictures. How much does catching a Hamas or Israeli official making a misstatement tell us about the accuracy of their overall claims? It's easy to default to, you can't believe him, he was lying in the past. But both sides have been lying in the past and they make contradictory claims and something happened or didn't happen. So we will talk methods and standards of proof in a two-part conversation with Eric Toller. Eric Toller is a reporter on the visual investigations team at the New York Times. He combines traditional reporting with open source methods. We'll get into that. He used to work for Bellingcat. He scored many scoops. He added significantly to the wealth of human knowledge about Ukraine and Saudi online harassment and the downing of Malaysia Airlines flight MH17. His very first reports for the New York Times, he used such tools as identifying kitchen counters and told the world about Jack Teixeira, the U.S. airman who's been a Arrested for retaining and transmitting classified documents. Eric, welcome to The Gist. Thanks for having me. The phrase for the community is OSINT, open source intel. Is that how you had to pronounce it? Yeah, OSINT, OSINT, something like that. I don't know if it has a dictionary uh, pronunciation, but yeah, it's basically open source intelligence, open source information. Um, it's basically anything you can find online um, or in the archives, anywhere elsewhere, then kind of. Um, transparently, can I show your work? I guess is the ethos behind it. And where is the place of openness? Is it Reddit? Is it Twitter or what we now call X? Or is it specific fora for experts like yourself? Yeah, it's kind of all over. So the community around this. So there's kind of a you know, kind of amateur sleuth kind of do people who do this professionally and also for fun. Um, it's historically been largely on Twitter, um, though people have migrated to Discord lately, actually. Um, there's a bit of it at Reddit as well, too, kind of more specialized stuff. But it used to be kind of very, very heavily monopolized on Twitter, kind of the, the folks who do this. But now it's a little bit more dis um, dispersed out there between Discord, Reddit a bit, and, and still Twitter. How do you guys, uh, you people, the professionals with a track record and really good tools, how do you separate and distinguish yourselves from just an amateur sleuth who thinks they see something in a picture or do you really want to? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's kind of hard to tell where the line ends and where it begins with that because a lot of people who do this professionally got, I mean, like myself, we got started doing it for fun, like as a hobby or as an amateur. And often when you see kind of these like professional reports that are put out, like I'm, I work for the Times now, right? And if you go back and look at some of the videos that the Times has put out before I got hired on and you look at the credits on it. So at the end, they have like a very like, they have a hard hitting report on, you know, like a you know, US airstrike in Afghanistan, right? Or like Russian murders in Bucha, Ukraine, you know, these hard hitting, really intense reports. And you look at the credits at the end and they'll just credit some Twitter handles in like the uh, for reporting credits because maybe they originally found something that was from some anonymous random Twitter account, right? Who was the first person to find a particular video, right? Or identify a certain soldier or something. So 
I think it, it's hard to say like where like the professionalization aspect um, mm -hmm. begins and where like the amateur sleuthing ends. Um, I think kind of the but are there standard... credentials? Is there credentialing? Not really. I mean, let, a lot of this. Let yeah, the that's flapping a good of your lips yeah. be the answer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's not like a certificate you get to do this, right? Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think that a lot of times the difference between the professionalization of it is kind of like the synthesization, synthesizing this information, right? Bringing it together, like taking these data points, bringing them together, aggregating them, and kind of turning it into a larger narrative. So tell me about the role of catching someone in a lie. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of examples of it, right? I mean, kind of the way this manifests itself most often in the open source kind of digital investigative work is kind of um, accountability work, right? So the government says X and Y actually happened, right? Which is kind of the most straightforward way of saying it. So, I mean, when you talked about accountability work, a lot of it is kind of straightforward, right? I mean, there's there's a million examples of Russia and Syria and the US and elsewhere. They say we, we bombed something or we didn't bomb something. You go and you look and you see the opposite. And it's pretty easy to do with satellite imagery, um, cross-referencing um, the videos produced by Russia, Israel, Syria, US, whatever, with the objective data. Um, but other times it's a lot, it's a lot dicier, right? This is something that we're, you know, we run into now with the, you know, Israel and Gaza war and also back with Russia, Ukraine, when someone makes a claim, you can only see how much you can see, right? Like with the, with, in Gaza, you, you're restricted because you can't go to the ground, go on the ground to a lot of these places because they're restricted or they're too dangerous. So we are heavily reliant on what's out there and what's available, but you, you can't see the whole picture, right? You're only seeing what is selectively available to you. So you have to kind of, you have to couch your language and have a lot of caveats with a lot of this. Right. But accountability work, there's a whole category for this mm -hmm. and accountability. If you can demonstrate even in the fog of war or the opacity of a theater like Gaza, if you can document a lack of accountability, mm -hmm. it would go to the credibility of the overall claim. Sure. Yeah. On the uh, question in Gaza of if Al-Shifa Hospital well, had a vast network of tunnels under it and what was it used for, the Times wrote, and this was November 17th, the controlled visit will not settle the question of whether Hamas, the armed Palestinian group that rules Gaza, has been using Al-Shifa Hospital to hide weapon and command centers, as Israel has said. Will not settle the question. So what would settle the question? Is it really settleable? Yeah, the Shifa question, I mean, we're still reporting this out and working on it, but it's it's difficult because they've shown one tunnel. Um, that's the visit that the Times reporters had again in one of these IDF visits um, on, on the, earlier this month or last month in November. And it's difficult because they the IDF was there for a couple of weeks, right? And they found one tunnel. It was fairly lengthy tunnel. I think it was 100, 300, one, two, 300 meters in length um, compared to what they talked about before, which is like this labyrinth. I think they used the word labyrinth of, you know, vast underground network. And this, you know, this tunnel was there, right? They, they, they found um, two rooms plus two bathrooms down there um, and a tunnel network um, yeah, a dozen or so meters below one of the buildings. But this wasn't, you know, a labyrinth, right? This wasn't a vast network. It was one, one tunnel. But this is going back to kind of the what we know and what we don't know and what we know that we know, what we know that we don't know and all those known knowns and unknown yeah. knowns and all that. Uh, you know, for all we know, maybe this is it. Or maybe this this is the only tunnel under Shifa, which in that case, the IDF was, um, was over, you know, greatly exaggerating um, before they came in. But maybe this is one of many tunnels. Maybe they just didn't have time to find other tunnels under Shifa. We, we can't say um, yet, at least. So this is, again, the, the restrictions of what we know and the reporting and also with open source research. We don't have subterranean sensors that we can deploy to, to Shifa Hospital to know where tunnels are and they aren't. And we can only know, we can only 
write about and um, do assessments on what's been shown, which is one tunnel, one tunnel um, passageway underneath one of the buildings in Shifa. That degree of humility seems appropriate. You've convinced me. Uh, the New York Times, as you know, for four days had a lead story on the raid on Al Shifa. And so this idea that was uh, played out, on, not just on the front page above the fold, but in the lead, lead story for four days was, this is going to be a referendum. This is going, we are going to see if Israel was, and the United States, which back, backed up Israel's claim, was accurate or not. Hmm. And then after more information came to be known, I saw it receding from the pages of the New York Times. And then I saw uh, a 300, those were all thousand word stories. And then you contributed on November 24th to a 377 word story that said, the military has released footage in recent days that it said was evidence of underground tunnels used by Hamas. The videos, however, have not shown conclusive, conclusive evidence of a vast network of tunnels. Haaretz reported on this, and you know, they're left-leaning, left left-wing Israel newspaper, and their conclusion was, this is the headline, video show exact path of Hamas tunnels under Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital, 160 meters of Hamas tunnels, complete with rooms, bathrooms, kitchenette, comms, electricity, and air conditioning, and their uh, conclusion paragraph was, only after several days of operating the area did the army locate the Hamas tunnels passing through the heart of the compound and invited journalists to see them with their own eyes. This serves as the unequivocal proof that the terror group used the hospital for its military needs. Is that a fair conclusion based on what you've seen? I mean, I can't say. Um, it's I know I've read the report um, and I there's a few other reports from Telegraph and Le Monde that kind of went the other direction of saying this this does show there was a tunnel network probably was by, used by Hamas, which I think is fair. This is probably a Hamas tunnel, but it didn't match the earlier IDF claims of kind of this labyrinth vast network, right? It's, you know, I think the Haaretz piece um, was well done and it showed, you know, it did a good job in, of analyzing the the footage that the IDF put out and that Haaretz also went down. It wasn't just the IDF, Haaretz and some other outlets went down with the tunnel. I think Fox News went down there too. But I mean, it's at this point, it's kind of, it's, it's about the IDF's claims coming in and they're into the weeks and years. I mean, like this decade basically of talking about the Shifa um, tunnels versus what they found, which is so far one tunnel. But again, I, I stress as much as I can. Um, this is, there could be other tunnels that may, because right now they're gone. The IDF is not at Shifa. They left during the um, ceasefire. They could come back and find, you know, seven, eight giant tunnels, right, that are underneath other buildings. And then turns out everything they said was exactly true and more, right? They could come back and not find anything at all. And then this is one tunnel and that's it. It's it's an incomplete, it's an incomplete situation right now. So so to you, the 160 meter tunnel that has, as Haaretz noted, uh, weapons and bathrooms and air conditioning and so forth, it, you, I, I don't, I want to, uh, describe how you think of that. You think of if that's it, it doesn't qualify as vast, which is how Lamond described it. And so you would disagree with Haaretz saying that this unequivocally proves that Hamas used it for military operations. Well, I think they're different questions, right? Because I mean, Haaretz said that it was used for military operations, which I think that's, there's a good chance it was, right? Um, I don't think that Haaretz really assessed. Again, I think that the question was around what the IDF claimed coming in, if you look at the IDF statements, which was vast underground labyrinth. And they released a video. I'm not sure if you saw this, but they released this like 3D illustration showing like it looked like a James Bond lair. 
yeah, of course that video is not a complete, you know, accurate representation of what they would find, right? They 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 were pretty clear about this just an illustration, right? But I think it's just contrasting. I, I know it's, it's hard to say about what. Again, because I I don't want to say that it that they were completely right or they were completely wrong because again it's incomplete. This one tunnel they found with two rooms and two bathrooms, you know, very well may have been used as some kind of command center, right? By her, by Hamas, we don't know. They didn't find any weapons down there. They found they claimed they found some weapons in a truck that was near one of the tunnel shafts, but they didn't claim to find any weapons actually in the tunnel itself. Um, maybe 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 they were there. Maybe they were cleared out. You know, who knows, right? Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I'll leave it to, to the listeners to decide if, you know, if um, these two rooms, two bathrooms and 160 meters or whatever, um, I mean, comprises of a vast labyrinth. So beforehand, I hadn't seen it articulated. All I had seen, and I read every story in the New York Times, that Israel claims that there is, there are vast tunnels under the hospital. Hamas used the tunnels. And then Israel claims that they used it as a control center. The United States uh, backed up Israel claims, mm -hmm. but they sometimes used a different word. And they said a command node. Those two mm -hmm. phrases have no real definition. Control center, command node. A laptop or a, or a cell phone could, mm -hmm. could be a command center. But it was clear in your mind that they needed to find multiple crisscrossing networks of tunnels or just, it didn't matter if they found a long tunnel, they needed to find multiple tunnels to back up Israel's claims, or it needed to look like that 3D video that Israel put out with multiple rooms or else Israel was lying. I mean, I don't I would never expect anything to look exactly like the illustration because, you know, they were clear as an illustration, but I mean... A command and control center or a node can look different, right? It could be, you know, 20 guys in one room with a laptop could be a command center, right? Mm -hmm. not, it, you don't expect to see a, you know, James Bond lair with all these like, you know, HD TVs up against the wall. I and, think, and but to interrupt, I stuff, think yeah. that, I think that's what some people were expecting based on the emphasis of the phrase command center. I mean, I have talked to military personnel who says mm -hmm. command center is no real definition. And mm -hmm. anyone with a laptop or a cell phone is very much a command center in 2023. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know why they, why the U.S. kind of downgraded their language to the node part. I, I think the reason why is because they've, the IDF has said that the actual, I guess, I don't know, center of Hamas operation whatever is actually down south, I think. So that might be why they've kind of downgraded their language from center to node. Um but yeah, I don't know exactly what would what would. And this is again what one thing that's so difficult about this is we see we see two empty rooms. What does two empty rooms mean, right? I mean, those two empty rooms could have been packed full of fifty people who were, you know, commanding at, you know every single detail of the October seventh attack, or they could have just been unused. Maybe they they were still under construction and not even been used yet. We, we don't know, right? We can only see the um, video that's been put out by the IDF of like the you know what it looks like right now. So, I mean, yeah, we're still reporting this out and we're still, you know, it's, it's a lot more unknowns than knowns with a lot of this stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't expect to see the, the James Bond labyrinth from the IDF illustration necessarily. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, just judge from yourself of what the IDFs, what, how they were um, presenting Al-Shifa yeah. as kind of the, the central command of all, of all of Hamas. Like they were, they said that this was the main base of Hamas. Um, for the entire, you know, the entire Gaza Strip coming in. Um, and it's tough because this is a lot of this stuff could theoretically be dual use, right? Maybe other, you know, buildings within Shifa could, as the IDF claims, have been used, like not just tunnels, but, you know, normal hospital buildings, right? 
So it's really hard to assess exactly what they're the claims just from open source information, just because we can only see what what we see, right? We can't, we're not psychics. We don't have time travel. We can't see how different rooms and tunnels and stuff were being used or not being used. We can only assess what we can see. Yes, but you're, I mean, clearly you're skeptical of the claims. If you look at your posts, I'm sure, well, actually, I don't know, but maybe you've gone back and look at what you were posting at the time. You wrote the IDF just released their first Photos, videos from the Shifa hospital after last night's raid. I count 10 guns. The IDF has claimed that the, quote, beating heart of Hamas's operations is beneath Shifa. Presumably, they'll release more photos or videos. Mm -hmm. And then you followed it up with a post saying, the second photo has a box of dates that were confiscated, which is true. Uh, as I look at that photo, I also see six grenades, a bunch of magazines, a couple of Korans, and it looks like handcuffs. So what was the purpose of the uh, box of dates tweet? Yeah, that was before they found any tunnels. So this is when they first, I think it was the first night they went to the Shifa, right? And they found the um, the guns in the MRI room and the box of dates, which I still don't know why they put a box of dates in there. <laughs> They're like, I don't know, big, when they all, you know, like when you have police in the U.S. who have a big drug raid, right? They put out all the stuff they find right on the table. Right. It's kind of like that. Um, yeah, I guess I had no idea why they put a box of dates into that along with guns and grenades and all that stuff. Um, yeah, but by tweeting, but, yeah. the second photo has a box of dates that were confiscated and not noting, and also a bunch of hand grenades. You, you were mocking the idea that they had a box of dates, right? That a box of well, dates yeah, is irrelevant. Well, yeah, it was kind of silly. They put a box of dates in there, right? I mean, why they put the box? They're the ones who put the box of dates in there, not me. Yeah, but you're uh, the but one course, who highlighted yeah, that and not his six hand grenades. Well, it was obvious, right? The, the hand grenades were there. You could see them, obvious. The box of dates weren't maybe quite as obvious to see, but the, the guns, I said I counted the guns, right? And the grenades are there. I mean, it's kind of, it's uh -huh. right there. It's obvious. It's not like I like cropped the photo and put only the dates in there. No, I don't think you did. I mean, you're being open source. I would say they, I, I have no idea why they put the box of dates. Maybe if people are living in an underground tunnel, they're going to need food and there were the dates. But Do you think- This was above ground though. This, this was an MRI room that was in the oh, okay. complex. That's a good point. And we'll be back with Eric Toller right after this. We're now back with Eric Toller, Visual Investigations for the New York Times. And I wanted to ask how he interprets the reaction to Israel's latest claims about what it found under Al-Shifa Hospital. Asking someone to account for the reactions of their musings or tweeting on X, posting on X, it's usually not fair. You know, I write what I write, however people respond, they respond. But in Toller's case, OSNIT, open source intel, it does rely on what everyone else says about your tweets or about the tweets of the community. And I'm not going to be coy. From the early days, the first couple of days after Israel went in and under the hospital, I saw widespread mockery among OSNIT types about the cache of weaponry found, the material Israel was surfacing. And now that it's been a few weeks hence, much more has been unearthed. Journalists have been taken into the tunnels. Haaretz and CNN documented the very large tunnel under the hospital. But the New York Times, for one, hasn't really gone back and done anything close to a thorough assessment. And it seems like the further evidence after day one or two was much less mockable, meaning there's quite a lot to the idea that Hamas was operating under Al-Shifa. So I asked Toller, did you see that too? Is that how you saw all of this playing out. Yeah, it, it swung a little bit. I think it's 
kind of evening out a little bit mm-hmm. right now. So yeah, for the first evening out, like you, more first... evidence had a chance to come in, and therefore the mockery has. Subsided. Yeah, I think people are. I think people are expecting a little bit more by now, but but we'll see. Again, like I said, they pulled out. They pulled out because of the ceasefire, right? So that's another reason why it slowed down. Um, so like when that first video came out of the MRI room with the box of dates, right? A lot of people. Um, this is it wasn't just me who was being who wasn't impressed by this. I mean, it was kind of universal from from the Times and elsewhere that this was a little underwhelming, because again, the IDF spent ten years hyping up Shifa as the center of Hamas operations, right? Mm-hmm. And they especially hyped up in the weeks before they moved in. So they moved in and the first video they put out was this video with, you know, a dozen guns or so grenades, as you said, um, handcuffs, a box dates as, as you are more a fan of me pointing out. And that was it for a few days. Right. And it was a little like, Oh, this is, hey, that's, and, and their command center thing was a single laptop, right? which is, yeah. You know, okay. Like you can, you can run a command center with a single laptop, I suppose. And then the tunnel came out. Um, and I think people like, oh, well, okay, you know, this is a tunnel. This is, they've been talking about Shifa tunnels forever. Here's a tunnel. You know, this is, this is definitely something like something that's hard and like, you know, you can't fake a tunnel, right? A lot of people were skeptical around, you know, like, well, you can plant the gun theoretically. I don't think they planted guns, but people were like, well, you could theoretically plant a gun. You can't plant a tunnel, right? So it was, it was there. Um, but I think now the, the big question is, well, that a lot of people are still wondering about is, is this the only tunnel? And um, if it is, you know, did Hamas run their entire operations, as the IDF claimed, out of this relatively small tunnel? Relatively, I say, in the sense of compared to what they were talking about before they, they came mm-hmm. in. It's still, you know, a pretty big tunnel. It's 100, 200 meters, right? Um, but, you know, the way they were presenting in the kind of their, their media blitz before, before this, when they put out, you know, their, their videos and their spokesperson was that this would be um, a bit bit more than we've seen so far. Do you think if the IDF had kept its powder dry and presented all the evidence when they had more evidence, there'd be less dismissiveness in the beginning? I don't know. I mean, they've they've been they've released stuff after they found it. It seems like right when they found the tunnel shaft, they they put it out. Yeah, that's quickly, right. There are two right? ways to go. Videos, Either we'll yeah. present the evidence, and yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah. Then you open yourself up to you know stories in the Daily yeah. Beast, like Israel's comically bad disinfo proves they're losing the PR war, and that was a November fifteenth story. And I said, wait two days, guys, and they didn't. There mm-hmm. was no follow up, but you know, more guns were found, lengthier tunnels were found, more blast doors were found. Um, as I look to the New York Times coverage, like I said, every day, front page story, this sort of a referendum on the war. And since then, I haven't seen any inaccurate coverage, but I've definitely seen a dearth of coverage. Will that change? Um, coverage on what? Chief yeah, on Chief, on what we know now. Well, Maybe looking at the Haaretz column or the Haaretz large uh-huh, article, uh-huh. the Le Mans large article, assessing what others have mm-hmm. said and what we know now in an authoritative uh, answer to this four multi-day front page story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're still reporting on it. I mean, so I was working on it just before we jumped on this call. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. It's like, I've been, I've been, you know, enveloped in this stuff for, for weeks now and it's, um, not, it's not straightforward. It's just like, Oh, they're right. Or, Oh, they're wrong. Cause there's, it, it's lots of shades of gray and where you're kind of working off of like, okay, well. It depends on things like what you mean by vast, right? Yeah, and yeah exactly. Yeah. Holding so, it and what were the Israeli claims and how well do they hold up to the Israeli claims before the war and sorry, before the invasion and the American claims before the invasion? 
Yeah, exactly. But you, but you know, a journalist's job is to put that all out there as best they can, which is what you're saying you're working on. And and yeah, I mean, this is not just squabbling over the word vast, right, or the word labyrinth or whatever, right? Because the IDF has consistently presented a case that hos- that hospitals are basically legitimate targets is how they've been trying to do this. Because they put out a press conference on, I think, October 27th, I, I might be getting the date wrong, where they put out a pretty lengthy press conference saying like, this hospital, this hospital, and this bottle, all, you know, their tunnels under this one. Hamas people are based up in this one. They're shooting at us from this one. Like they're basically saying that you know Hamas uses hospitals and they are therefore legitimate targets, right? Kind of preparing their entry into Shifa and also into Al Radtisi and Al Hamad Hospital and some other ones that they they've they've taken. Um, they're based out of Radtisi. Um, they took control over Hamad quite a while, and of course they're in Shifa now. So it's not just like oh they said vast or they didn't say vast, right? Or oh there's a little tunnel here, or is it a big tunnel, or is it five, five tunnels or ten tunnels or one tunnel, right? It's a larger question around how Israel relates to um, hospitals as legitimate or illegitimate targets for war and for targeting. Um, and this, of course, blends into the Ali Hospital um, everything around that, which was which is it's another two-hour podcast because about the Ali Hospital um, and around how they present their information and, and make their case around these hospitals and when they do or they don't target it, and if it's just or unjust to. Um, to have limited or large strikes and all those all those different um, caveats around that. Yeah, that's the conclusion phase. To before we get to the conclusion phase, we have to have the evidentiary phase. And I have perceived that when early impressions set in and were advanced by not really the New York Times, but a lot of other outlets that have a lot of um, followers and it was mocked as insufficient, those impressions get solidified. And unless there is a major effort to undo those early impressions, and even if there is, it doesn't always work, that's what people believe. Now, I'm not, I don't know what people believe, quote unquote, about this, but I definitely saw, and it's right there on your timeline, a lot of skepticism early on and then much more quiet, and now perhaps uh, we'll be in fact-finding mode in a little while. But by that point, I'm not sure if minds are open to be changed. In your experience, are they? It's hard because it's the evidence now is it's a little bit less. It's hard to say because it's what the stuff that we were talking about earlier with the MRI room was kind of very clear-cut. Right there, there's X number of guns. There's a number of claims, all that. And now we have this tunnel, and it's like, okay, well, there's these rooms. There's these two rooms. Are they what were they used for? Are they empty now. We don't really tell. And of course, the um, they've already cleared it out, and, and now they've moved back out. So it's, I, I think, a lot of it is cascades with the type of evidence that they're presenting as well, too. And you know, we should be skeptical of of all government claims and accountability, right? We shouldn't just say, oh, the IDF said it, so therefore we're, oh, we should just tag along, yeah. right? Um, and obviously, you know, Hamas, their claims aren't, um, don't have a lot of, um, often around events, they don't have a lot of um, evidence of them as well, too. Um, but as part, I mean, with Israel and Gaza more than anything, I mean, people's minds are often made up, right? It's kind of hard to, at least maybe if you're just on Twitter or on Discord too much, it's maybe my mind a little bit warped. But people's minds are often made up with that and they don't, they don't it's not very malleable. Um, but that's a whole, that's a whole different question. Yeah, you just do what you can. But the reason I asked you that, and I wouldn't ask most journalists, like, what do you think the public thinks? Your job 
does interact with that a little more than most journalists, right? You're not a, I just put the facts out and wherever they land, they land. How facts land sometimes gets absorbed into what you're looking at the next time. I mean, you're engaged Mm -hmm. in, you're very much engaged in the idea of misinformation. So the perception of information is in fact part of your job. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, we can only judge what's out there, right? Because I, you know, I'm sitting in Kansas or I'm not in Gaza, I'm not collecting information. I'm only collecting what's, what's being put out. Uh, and yeah, I mean, a lot of this is like a Rorschach, Rorschach. I can never say that word. Rorschach. Rorschach. Okay. There you go. Test. In a sense, you see, you see a tunnel, but what do you see? Right. And some people say like, oh, well, I see a tunnel. Therefore it is, um, the IDF is lying the whole time. And this is a tunnel they secretly built in the eighties, right? Which this is, it's not, this is not one of the tunnels that was built in the eighties. Um, and other people say, say, and like, okay, this is, this was the Hamas command center and underground base they've been using for, for a decade. Right. And again, like what we're seeing is, you know, it's a tunnel with two empty rooms and two bathrooms. I mean, it's, you can't, you can't make a conclusive case, at least, you know, I, I, I would hold off, at least I would hold off making a conclusive case, but what was and wasn't being used for it. Um, cause again, like maybe the IDF is completely correct in this, these tunnels were used for, you know, massive operations on October 7th and all that, or maybe they were unfinished and unused at all. We, we, we can't say for sure. And so I'm trying to, maybe it's cowardly. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to caveat everything I'm saying, but I do want to just put, but maybe it's, it's good in that sense that we should know what we know and know what we don't know. Right. And that there's gaps of information we have, um, unless we have, we're mediums and have psychics and see back into the past. So I'll just say this. I'll just, put my cards on the table and say, first of all, you've impressed me with, well, your work has always impressed me. Um, and you've impressed me with your answers. I, th- I would like someone engaged in OSINT to have the orientation you do. I wasn't too happy about the dates tweet, but <laughs> this is my cards on the table. I think that what you're saying is absolutely true. And I also think that in light of that, how hard it is and unknowable so much of it is, that the Times did a performed a misservice to its readers to raise expectations that answers would come, to raise the stakes about how important the answers would be, and to tell them essentially that if answers aren't forthcoming, then Israel has done something wrong. I don't think it was ever possible, given that Hamas would grab its stuff and run, I don't think it was ever possible to prove to a, to the degree that the Times was stating and implying that proof was needed. I mean, I can't speak for the Times right? <laughs> and, and all the reporting has been done. I mean, I guess I do work for the Times, right? Uh, but but I, would, I, I would just say that in general that the this was hyped heavily by Israel, right? And by the US intelligence community too. So it wasn't just the Times in a vacuum. You know, saying you know, single handedly, like, we are the ones. This is the final countdown. Here we go. Yeah. Right. I, I would point people again to look and review um, what um, the statements were from both the U.S. and in, and Israeli officials leading into the movement into Shifa. Um, and, you know, judge for yourself, right, on what on what the thing. But but I I do think it's fair also that it's hard for. It's hard to prove a negative, is what, as you said earlier, right? I mean, like, what would this is a question that I have heard, and I also have been thinking about a lot, is what would, you know, what would be the standard of proof um, necessary to prove X or or disprove mm-hmm. um, what the IDF is saying, right? And this is what I keep saying, like, we see a room, but what does that room mean, right? Uh, this Rorschach 
test, right? Of um, what do you see when you see this tunnel? Do you see uh, an emptied out evacuated Hamas control center? Or do you see a, um, you know, maybe an unused room um, underneath one of the buildings of um, the Shifa complex? So, you know, there's some data points that can lead us one way or another, right? There was apparently a giant cache of weapons found above one of the tunnels, not apparently not in the tunnels, but near the tunnels. Um, clearly there was some Hamas presence, Hamas presence at the Shifa. We don't know exactly how big, but there was some Hamas presence. I don't think you can really dispute that at this point. Um, but what standard of proof do we need to prove to lead up to the, I guess you can say the hype even that, um, Israel had in its, in its, you know, they made this kind of video game, like 3d reconstruction of what they were going to find under Shifa. Right. Again, we, I didn't set that expectation, mm -hmm. you know, the post, the times, <laughs> CNN, no, we didn't set those expectations, right? It was, it was Israel who made that 3D reconstruction of what they would find under Shifa. Um, and so we would, at least I personally feel like I would not be doing my job if I didn't say like, okay, this is what the IDF said they would find coming in. This is their statements for the last 10 years. And this is what we see so far. Yeah. And the last part of this is what we see so far is a little tough to, um, assess. I guess that's my job to do, but it's a little tough to assess because it's like a, you know, it's in, it's empty rooms in a in a in a hundred and some maybe two hundred and some meter tunnel. It's you know, does this fit the the expectations they set ahead of time? And you know your answer to that. You know we're going to keep reporting this out. And we're going to keep working to try and find something a little more um, definitive than my kind of wishy washy answers on what we see. But um, your you know, your opinion on that is probably going to be predefined in what you think already yes. around the conflict around what you what you think already around um, the um, evidence that Israel's produced in the past and just your, your stance of the war in general. Yes. And then the question of, and what does that allow for? What leeway does that give the Israel military? That is another question entirely. That is the conclusion to draw from these facts. But I want to thank you for helping us nail down what the facts are. Eric Toller is a reporter on the Visual Investigations team at the New York Times. Thanks so much, Eric. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's show. The Gist is produced by Corey Wara. The senior producer is Joel Patterson. Michelle Pesca is CLO of Peachfish Productions. The Gist is presented in collaboration with Libsyn's AdvertiseCast for advertising inquiries. Go to AdvertiseCast.com slash The Gist. Oomperoo, Jeeperoo, Dooperoo, and thanks for listening. <laughs>